Okay, so we've been looking at uh, examples of faith in, that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And we have gone through a number of them. Uh, I think the, the most recent one was on Noah uh, that Alex uh, reached um, two Sundays back. And we come to Moses. We're looking at the life of Moses today. But just before that, um, we are kind of crossing a few verses in between. There are other figures of faith that are mentioned in uh, Hebrews 11. And I think uh, it's probably worth reading through that, just kind of as a way to scan through, survey through the names. And just a bit of a shout out to the women's, some of the women, uh, folks in the women's group are doing a Bible reading through, um, through Genesis and currently in Exodus. It's quite coincidence. It's one of those Sundays when a lot of things coincide together. Uh, uh, the women's group are doing Moses. We're doing Moses here. Sunday school are also doing Moses. Uh, so it's one of those happy coincidences. But I think one of the um, things that comes out from the reading of Genesis, the, these heroes of faith, examples of faith, right, is that they don't look like heroes. There's, their stories are so messy and so flawed, right? So I, I want to just read through them, through the story. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, 8 to... I think I have the clicker here, so... Um, Hebrews chapter 8, 11 to... Uh, chapter 11 sorry sorry Clement you might have to help me with that okay it's working now Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 8 to 22 by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise, promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So in this few verses, uh, the the heroes of the faith uh, in the Hebrew tradition, Hebrew tradition of the Hebrews, are mentioned and I think what we can say um, 
as uh, we survey all these names is that these people, Abraham, Sarah, uh, these were extremely flawed people, right? And when you, when you read through the book of Genesis, you see that very clearly. Sometimes you're wondering why these stories are even there. Like Abraham, for all his uh, faith, he was, uh, he was deeply flawed. You may recall what he did uh, in lying about Sarah, his wife, uh, calling her his sister so that he will not be killed. Uh, he was scared. Um, and he lied about his relationship. Um, if we speak about um, Hagar and Ishmael, Hagar, the concubine of Abraham, and the, the child Ishmael, who, uh, who was born out of that. Let's think about the, the hurt and the pain that they had to go through because of, simply because of Abraham's lack of faith. Um, and we, we mentioned Esau and Jacob, for example. What a messy story that Esau and Jacob uh, story are, uh, is. Um, Jacob, full of lies, full of deceit almost. And the children of Jacob, what can we say about the children of Jacob? The 12 brothers, uh, the 11 brothers who sold their, their brother Joseph to, uh, to slavery to the, uh, and sent him off to the, to the Midianites. Uh, what kind of brothers are those, right? Uh, so the, and the 12, the, the 11 brothers, including Joseph, uh, I mean, the 12 brothers who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so these are stories that are far from ideal, full of lies, full of deceit, full of jealousy, full of even um, um, uh, cheating one another. And yet, these are the stories that Hebrews tell us, these are the people who are examples of faith. And we might ask, how can that be? These people are far from the examples of faith that we might have. I think the point of all of this is to say that their faith, uh, their, they're counted as righteous not because, of what, not because of how good they were, but because they trusted in God and they acted on that faith in God. And that itself is, of course, a, a very radical notion that uh, they are counted righteous because of their faith, their trust in God, not so much because of their perfection in their life, because they were not perfect, as we know. So um, we, we see that sense very clearly here, and we see that also in Moses, the person that we'll be focusing on today. So uh, this Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to talk about Moses, and he says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Or ESV says, he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He'd, he regarded this grace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Again, a huge, uh, uh, the, the long story of Moses is summarized in this few verses, and so you might find it quite, uh, uh, quite simplistic in the, uh, in the rendition. But um, it talks about how Moses lived his life. This is almost a bird's eye view of Moses' life. It's not talking about specificity, but how he conducted his life in general. And the author of Hebrews says that um, Moses' life was a life of faith. And we see the, the ones that I've highlighted there. Moses did, were not, was not afraid of the king. Was, uh, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated. He regarded Christ. He regarded 
disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of, of the king. And verse 27, he did not fear the king's anger, emphasizing the choice that Moses had. He chose to side with God in, in his life, you know, in the decisions that he made. And I think that's a, a, a beautiful picture that uh, we have of a life of faith. We can look at another passage. Um, Moses' story is obviously very popular, very important for the Hebrews. And so there's many parts where the story of Moses is uh, retold again and again. This is one of them. And this is the, the speech by Stephen. Okay, Stephen is, was one of the church fathers, I mean, one of the early church, um, early Christians. And this was just before he was martyred. He was stoned to death. And he gets up and gives a speech in which he talks about almost the entire history of Israel. Okay? Um, that is just the, the, the context. In this passage, he talks about Moses. And he gives a kind of a narration of the story of Moses. So I thought this is a good place for us to kind of root ourselves for our focus today, to think about the story of Moses. So this is how uh, Stephen tells the story of Moses. And we find this in Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 20. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as his own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Let's start from this, this point, his story of, of his birth and upbringing. Um, just for context, this was a time when the, uh, the, the people of Israel who were living, the descendants of Israel um, who were living in Egypt were becoming numerous, populous, and powerful. And so the king, the king of Egypt, uh, became jealous or became fearful. And so he ordered this edict that he's talking about here, or that was mentioned in Hebrews, edict to kill the babies, uh, Israelite babies, um, the Hebrew babies. And so there was... Um, a, a terrible uh, event, right, uh, in which uh, Hebrew uh, uh, children, babies were being massacred. It was in this context that the parents of Moses decided that they didn't want to fear the king of Egypt and decided to save their baby. So that's the story, that's the context. And we know the story, you might know the story, the, uh, the family of Moses put him in a basket uh, and sent the, the, the basket down by the river Nile and the, the, the daughter of Pharaoh, uh, down, on, on, downstream in the Nile, he sees the baby and he, uh, he, he loved the baby and he wanted to save the baby and uh, uh, take that as his, as her daughter, as, as a son. So that's the story that's being narrated here. I, I find this uh, repetitive um, mention about Moses being no ordinary child to be quite fascinating. In Hebrews, as, as we said, as we read, uh, it's also mentioned he was no ordinary child. Or as, I, as we saw from ESV, it said he was a beautiful child. I mean, what child is not beautiful for the parents, right? Every child is beautiful. But it's interesting that it, this keeps uh, coming up. And some commentators say that it, it's kind of uh, a sense that the parents felt that this was going to be a child used by God uh, uh, and um, an instrument of God's work. Uh, in any case, we know, we can see right off the bat that Moses was loved by his family. He was loved by his parents uh, and by his sister as well. He was a child that was beautiful because the child was loved, the child was valued, right? A, a child for whom 
the family don't mind sacrificing their, their security and their risk. A child for whom they don't mind taking risk for. Um, if the king finds out about this, uh, sure there will be a certain execution or, or something of that sort. And yet, he was valued, he was loved, uh, he was a beautiful child in the eyes of the parents. And of course, this story is the, a, a drama of the highest order, right? Um, the, the child is, the Hebrew child uh, is, floats down the river and the, the, the daughter of the Pharaoh sees the baby, picks up the baby. The baby is picked up by the enemies that, that the baby is running from, in a way. Um, and we, we know the story of how the sister of Moses, Miriam, she was, I, I always thought she was such a quick thinker. She saw that the baby was picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter and she quickly ran to the Pharaoh's daughter and asked, uh, you need help in raising this child, so on and so forth. And so um, she, uh, the, the, uh, the child, Moses, was sent back to the mother uh, as, uh, basically as a, to, to take care of until the, uh, the, the age of, uh, um, until the time of the weaning. Uh, as some tradition says. But it's so interesting that uh, this child, Hebrew, running away from the Egyptians, fall in the hands of the daughter of Pharaoh, uh, becomes her daughter, and grows up Hebrew, in, at least for a few years uh, in, the, uh, in the tradition. Um, but it's, it's important to understand that in verse 21, and it says, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her son, as her own son. In other words, Moses, even though he might have lived for a year or so, in, in the household of his parents, pretty much grew up in Egypt, in the courts of Egypt, in the palaces of Egypt. So the, the ringing question in my mind is, who educated him in Hebrew traditions, right? Living in the palace of Egypt, surrounded by all these, all these images and idols, propaganda of the highest form, living in the palace, in the house of the king, in, um, with the daughter of the Pharaoh, who would have educated Moses in the tradition of the Hebrews, that he, he knows very clear that he's a Hebrew, uh, that he worships uh, the God of Abraham, right? Uh, it's quite remarkable, actually, uh, to, and I know that because uh, we are raising a ringswan toddler, uh, we're trying to teach him our language, uh, we don't have books, you know, like there's not a lot of things on YouTube, and this is the age of the internet, um, and yet it's so hard to uh, kind of let him retain the language and the sense, like who he is, right? And yet, here we have Moses who grew up in the courts of Egypt, in the heart, in the heartlands of all the propaganda, and yet he grows up with the clarity, sense of clarity of who he is, that he's a Hebrew, that he worships the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So we, we must give hats off to the parents here. I, I suspect that he continued to stay in touch with the sister and the mother because we know Miriam plays a very important part later on when the exodus happens. So we, we know, uh, we can say that they maintain relationship with the sister and the mother. So the first lesson we can take away from here is faith is more than just you and, you and God. There's a lot of people involved, there's family, upbringing, uh, there's our responsibilities and others' responsibility to us as well as uh, the story of Moses clearly shows us. But we'll return to that notion later as we talk about uh, application. Let's keep reading. We come back to this. Here, Moses is still a baby, a toddler. He's growing up in the courts of Egypt. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a picture that I found quite uh, interesting. Uh, he must have grown up like that. And um, we can only imagine what, we, there's not a lot of information about Moses' upbringing, but we can only imagine the way that he turned out with his passion for uh, the Hebrews, with his passion for God. It can only mean that there was some 
some, um, the role of the family involved in that. When we see Moses again, he's 40 years old. He's significantly older. Uh, and this is what Acts chapter 7, Stephen's story tells us. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people. Note, note his identification here. To visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being ill-treated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you hurt each other? But the man who was ill-treating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing, uh, killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. We see here the, the character, the personality of Moses starting to come out. In a way, he's acting out of faith here. He goes and he sees his people being, uh, being uh, ill-treated and he kills the Egyptian. Uh, you can say it's a sign of passion, sign of sense of justice. He chose to defend the suffering rather than to be comfortable. He take the, took the risk of standing for, for those who are downtrodden instead of living his comfortable life in the court. So it shows his passion and his rage and his sense of justice, right? Sense of truth. And he was at the end of the day, following God's heart. But we see that he is not yet secure in his understanding because first, in verse 29, he see, we see that he fled. He was scared. Uh, he was, um, when he thought that the, the people of Israelites would embrace him because he's doing something good for them. But when they rejected him, when these two people said, gave this biting comment in verse 27, it completely shattered him, affected him badly. And he just fled because I, I think it's because he doesn't quite, he could not handle that rejection yet. He did not understand yet what he should be standing on. And of course, it doesn't say here, but in Exodus and in Hebrews, when the king uh, put him up as wanted for the murder of Egyptians, he, that, that, was the, uh, uh, that was the point in which he fled. He fled to the land of the Midianites in Arabia, in modern day Arabia. There he lived his quiet life for another 40 years, he, he lived in obscurity, uh, tending goats, and so on and so forth. It affected him, affected him badly. He feared and he fled. Um, and yet, let me just go back to uh, the, the, what's given here. And yet, Hebrews telling of the story is that Moses did not fear, right? He says, um, they were refused to be known. He chose to be mistreated. He did not fear the king's anger. At this point, Moses is not yet this guy. He's not yet operating out of faith. He was, he was passionate, yes. He was, had a heart for justice, but he did not yet have the understanding that, uh, he, that of his foundation. He was still afraid of the king's anger. So we might ask, where did, where did Moses change? Where might we say Moses had this kind of conversion experience? I think it happened when he met God in the burning bush. When he encountered God in the burning bush. And we, uh, Stephen continues to tell us the story. So let's, um, let's keep reading. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look up. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing 
is holy ground. I have indeed seen, seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. I think it is in this point here that he realized his foundation. And his foundation is to serve God. He, his his uh, life should be about having faith in God and serving and worshipping God. Of course, Moses' story is very complicated. You know that. And if you read through Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2, we can see, chapter 3 especially, we see this very clearly. This guy is a very um, insecure, also because of all the experience that he has had in the past. He struggles with identity. There's inferiority complex. There's self-doubt. Uh, almost traumatic experience of, you mean I have to go back to Pharaoh? Like, after all that? You know, like, he says that he has a stammering speech, uh, speech impediment. How can I stand in the courts of the Pharaoh with this stammer? How can I go and speak to this uh, eloquent uh, philosophers and all of that, right? This is a story of uh, insecurity, and yet, uh, he ultimately, he agreed to go to Pharaoh, to, to obey God. So if you look at the overall story of Moses, not necessarily here with all the crises that he had, but if you look at the overall story of Moses, we can say that Moses chose to serve God, not Pharaoh. Moses chose uh, to, to follow the, the voice of God, not to follow the privileges that he had by default as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right? He could have lived in, in great comfort all his life, uh, but he chose to side with God, to obey God, to uh, worship God. Um, he chose to be with the people, the slaves, rather than to be with the king's courts. Um, yes, he sulked before God many times. He was angered by God's people many times, but he was always looking for the way to serve God. His eyes was always on, on the goal of serving God and worshiping God. Um, in the past few years, I've been watching the Netflix documentary about uh, World Cup 2022 <laughs> uh, about the captains of this World Cup and one thing you notice about them is like their eyes are set on the prize it's like whenever you, there's an interview I remember specifically of Japanese captain it's like for four years we we have been calculating thinking of what to do so that we can come back stronger for four years and I look at them and it's like yep that's, that this guy is not the guy who has my battles like of waking up early and eating healthy and that's not their battle right that it's already a non-issue that's not their battle their battle their eyes are on the prize and this small discomfort doesn't bother them I, I think of that when i think of moses his eyes are set on um, worshiping god and the other things like the pleasures of egypt or the 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 lure of power those things don't have any hold on him because his eyes was on the prize and that's what hebrews chapter 11 tells us as well. There's something really interesting that God tells Moses when uh, Moses asks for a sign. What is a sign that you are with us? And we see this in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. God tells him, this is the sign. And the sign is that you will worship me on this mountain. And you might be like, what kind of a sign is that? <laughs> what kind of a reward is that? Um, you, you might have said, um, the sign is that you will have a great kingdom and you will live prosperously or you, you will have a great empire and uh, you'll have great buildings. Instead of all that, God says, the sign is that you will worship me on this mountain. And I think there's a crucial uh, thing uh, uh, implicit in that, which is to say that 
the reward of uh, life of faith. The reward is worshiping God. The reward is to serve God. Uh, Israel is set free to, to worship God. Israel is set free to serve God. And uh, hopefully I can, I'll be able to clarify what we mean there as, as we go on. Um, when Moses went to the Pharaoh, and when Moses said, let my people go so that they can go and worship God. Yes, it is uh, an insult to the king uh, because they're going to lose their slaves. Yes, it's an insult politically. Uh, how can some, some hurt, uh, especially Moses of all people, come to me and say this? It's a political attack, but it's also a theological attack because um, the, 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 king, the king of Egypt, especially uh, most people think that this Ramses II when he, uh, during this time, the name Ramses itself, it means son of Ra. Ra is the sun god, right? Son of Ra. The previous king was Tutmoshe, which means um, Tut is the king, the king uh, of Egypt, uh, the, one of the gods of Egypt. Um, Tut is born in the, in, the, in the king. In other words, these kings are gods in their own understanding, in the understanding of the empire. These are not just human kings. They are considered as gods. They are considered as uh, divinity that should be worshipped. Um, and so when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go so that they can worship God, it's an insult on so many levels. Uh, it's not just that they're going to lose their slaves, not that they're, they're going to lose politically. Uh, it's an insult theologically as well, that you are not the God that we worship. The God we worship is, uh, we're going to go and worship him in the mountain, uh, the God of Abraham and uh, Isaac and so on. So when, when Moses, uh, and that's why Moses had so much trouble obeying God, because he knows what it means to go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go to worship, right? Uh, but, and yet he continued to choose God. And so the sign for, for liberation, if you like, the sign for the Exodus is that they will come to this mountain and they will worship God. Moses, the, the, the goal for Moses, the, 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 the goal of faith for Moses, the sign of faith, the reward of faith for Moses is to worship God, to serve God. See, I think sometimes we have this in reverse. We think we worship God to get something. We worship, we pray to God and we pray so that we can get some blessings, right? We pray to God, we serve him so that God can liberate us, God can help us, God can help us live a good life. For Moses, it's the reverse. I get, I get it or something, and I get liberation, I get uh, help so that I can come and worship God. The reward is the worship. Reward is the serving. Um, we are not, we are not given things, we are not, we don't, Moses did not serve God so that he can get things. Moses was able to sacrifice things so that he can serve God, he can worship God. In fact, we are told that Moses did not even get the, the, the thing that he had wanted. Um, you might remember, he never promised the, he never entered the promised land. Uh, he's the guy who led the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. But this guy, he himself never entered the promised land. In other words, he didn't get the quote-unquote promise, the blessing. And yet, for him, it was enough that he could serve God. It was enough that he got the favor of God and he got the, uh, the, um, 
yeah, he was able to worship God and he was able to serve God. The reward of faith is to, to serve God. Uh, serving God is not the way to get something. I, I, I hope I'm making this uh, clear enough for us. The reward, the, the sign, the reward of faith is to draw close to God, to follow in his steps, to not follow the, the kings and the, the rulers of, this, uh, of Egypt, the, do not follow the pleasures of the earth, but to follow and to worship God. That, is, uh, the, that, that was the, the goal, the, the sign, the reward of faith for Moses. And so, let's uh, think of how, what this might mean for us uh, in terms of implication. I think the first thing, as I mentioned in, in the beginning, it also speaks about our responsibility to our loved ones uh, in our family or in our, just like the family of Moses. Let, let the example of Moses' family be an example of faith for us as well. Uh, in other words, we raise our loved ones or we help our loved ones to know God, to choose God. Just like uh, Miriam and the mother helped in raising Moses to, to fear God and to choose God. In the same way, I think our responsibility, and this can be in the family, but even beyond as well. Um, many of us, we work in places where we have responsibility over other younger ones or even not necessarily that. Um, we, we work in, in interface with so many people around us, even in a church, right? I think we have a responsibility, just like Moses' family did, to raise those we love to know God and to choose to serve God. Not for comfort. Not to go looking for comfort. Uh, because if that was the case, Moses' parents would have said, it's okay, you're in a good place, you integrate, live happy, be an Egyptian, this is the, where the, all the money is, all the wealth is, try to become king and you know, like climb up in the ladder. They would have done that. But instead of that, we can see that Moses' family raised him up to fear God and to honor, um, uh, honor who God is and serve God in, in his, through his life. And because it's, I would say it's entirely because of that, that Moses' life uh, panned out in, this, in the way that he did. So I think the first lesson that we can take away, first uh, conclusion, first application that we can get away is raise our loved ones to know God and to choose God, uh, to be like Moses who, uh, who, who would risk his comfort and his um, privileges to help others. Right? who would be passionate about truth and justice, uh, about life. Right? So that's, I think that's the first lesson that we can take away. And I think that's already a very powerful message that uh, we, we continually need to be reminded of uh, in our families, but even in our workplaces, uh, uh, in our circle of friendship. Uh, the other uh, lesson that we can take away from here is um, to follow the example of Moses, which is to choose to serve God rather than... Uh, the kings and the gods uh, of our world. You might think there's, I don't, there's no other gods that I'm struggling with in life. Well, they are in a way. Uh, uh, think of many things in, in life that, um, that demands our allegiance. Uh, think of the lure of prosperity, lure of comfort, right? Think of the, the idolatry of control and of image. Uh, we choose to serve God rather than those things in life. Um, we choose God that we choose God over the divinities of our modern world, uh, the things that demand our time, our devotion, our wealth, even. Rather than all of that, like Moses, we choose to serve God. 
And remember, just like Moses did, that Christ is of higher value than any of these things. Uh, uh, that we will be like Moses. Uh, that even when he did not, was not able to receive the, the promise of the promised land, and yet for him it was enough that he served God. Uh, that because that was his sign, his reward. Uh, and I think that's such a, a, a powerful picture for us to, uh, to uh, kind of orient our lives with. Uh, at certain stages of our life, we may be like Moses, but uh, it is, should be our prayer, I think, that uh, the overarching story of our life is that we want to choose to serve God. Um, a, a suggestion would be uh, for us to reflect on the story of Moses in the next week or so, uh, in, in, in the next seven days, in the next six days, really. Uh, that would be in the book of Exodus. Um, again, I know that the women's group, some of you are already doing that. But uh, just read through the story of Exodus, read the points where he, he struggled with, with his uh, faith, struggled to, uh, with the people of Israel, and the way he overcame all of that by being so stubborn about his decision to choose God and to serve God. Uh, so that, that would be a good way to uh, kind of you know, orient our lives so that we are following the example of faith as we see in the life of Moses. So Moses chose to serve God. And that was his reward. Uh, let us also serve God and let us see that as the reward in itself. Let us give our efforts to raise those people around us who are our loved ones, that they may become not people who seek comfort and control and uh, prosperity, but people who, who seek God, uh, even when it means risking um, the, the pleasures and the privileges that they might have. Let's pray and we'll continue to respond through songs. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example of Moses. We thank you that uh, despite his flaws, um, he was able to serve you. He was able to choose you. And we thank you, Lord, for the example that this uh, means for us. Uh, yes, we are flawed and we, are, uh, we have our shortcomings. And yet, Lord, our desire and our prayer is that the story of our life would be that we chose God and we chose to serve you uh, and not anything else in this world. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to, to live in such a life and help us to live a life of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.